is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. It's not every day you find a girl who will flash someone to get you out of detention. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys, by the fans, that is us. As always, intro and outro music is provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over on OceansOverAirplanes.com. Give us a follow and hit us up on Twitter if you would like. I am at So Says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Um, if you listen on iTunes, rate and review. And we're also available on Stitcher and Google Play and not Spotify because I haven't done that yet. My bad. <laughs> it's, it's been some time. It's been a bit. Hey, Paul, Brightside Night, say it, do it. Ah, shit. <laughs> it's January 9th. I forget who we're playing. It's going to be the Kings. The Kings. It's going to be a fun time. Get your tickets. Get the tickets for all the young Utes out the, there. The, the two Utes. The two Utes. And the other 10 Utes. And it's only nine bucks a ticket. So please uh, help Dave raise some money to get, I think his goal is 3,000 tickets this year. So let's try to get him over that hump. Paul, have you donated yet? It's in the hopper. I might have made an irresponsibly large donation on Thanksgiving <laughs> when I was drunk. Oh, wow. Just saying. <laughs> Hopefully my wife isn't listening. Uh, but it's for the children. It's fine. So, yeah, Brightside Night. Check it out. Be there. We'll be there. You guys have tickets to the game already, don't you? To that game? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you do. I think we might, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, for that irresponsible decision I made that... Got me in the doghouse for a bit myself. We are not only the podcast of optimism, <laughs> we are the podcast of irresponsible <laughs> financial decisions. If you what need you more know? reason to listen to us, there you go. Perfect. Okay. Anyway. The optimism has been tough. You know, it has. It has. It's, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I won't fully commit to that. Because. It's gotten better. And here, listen, hear me out on this. Even early in the season, and, and we'll go into this about how the Suns have shown some improvement over the past eight, nine games or so. Not that they're really winning more games, but they're Competing. showing improvement. I haven't at any point really felt like that sinking, hopeless feeling that was so persistent last year. Really? I have not. I, 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 I disagree. You disagree it, about how I've felt? No, I, I'm saying I did. There was a period of time where it was like, oh, here's another 20-point loss. Here's another 20-point loss. Here's another 20-point loss. And it was just like, wow, this. how did they get worse than last year? And they seem to have finally, I think a lot, I think in hindsight a little bit, it was more so just a situation of Igor trying to feel out his lineups and also a little bit of giving guys who have that veteran pedigree, per se, um, you know, those spots that their careers have earned them and has to an extent moved beyond that a little bit Mm -hmm. seeing Mm -hmm. as like Ryan Anderson can shoot the three. Yeah. I I didn't know you could just straight lose that skill. Cause I mean, it's not really truly based on athleticism the way that like some other skills are. Well, here's a little foreshadowing perhaps depending on if we actually talk about it or not, but Markel Fultz seems to have lost that skill. So, <laughs> yeah, but that, and that's, that's from all over the floor. That's completely different. He just completely forgot how to shoot. It's not like I don't know, but I'm 
Anderson's out of the lineup, that starting line unit is actually playing really well. It might be that they finally found that starting unit. Now it's just they kind of got to figure out the rest of the rotation. Sure. No, I got you. And, and you know, I'm going to step back really quickly. Yeah, we got ahead of ourselves. I'm not going to say anything about the Suns right now. I'm going to say something about us. Yeah. We've been gone for like three weeks. Gone for a minute. Now we're back. It's a jump off. If we had licensing abilities and stuff, we could be like, guess who's back? Back. Am I going to get in trouble for even singing the song? <laughs> well, I, I just dropped the I think I only, tracks, I only so. did like, I only, what, how many guess who's back? Back. Four words. I'm pretty sure we're good. Maybe anyway. Like eight seconds or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, at, at any rate, I blame you, frankly. It was my fault, yeah. <laughs> I contemplate. I'm sitting thinking, you know, maybe I should just like do this without Paul. I mean, not by myself. I'm just going to go get somebody good else guess. to deal with me. But I felt like I couldn't possibly do that in good conscience since you're the one that came up with something. You could have asked me, and I would have been, sure, go get Char. <laughs> Char, if you're listening, next time, next time Paul's out, you're in, bro. You are in. All right. But off that, let's stop doing this, though. Let's stop yeah. doing this. We're going we're gonna to be consistent again. Yes. Or like more consistent. Consistent-ish. Consistent-ish. Perfect. Perfect. The podcast of optimism <laughs> Poor financial decisions <laughs> and consistent ishness. I love this. This is perfect. This is perfect. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There was that period of time in there where I was like, "Do I really want to talk about this?" Which meant I wasn't as like, "Hey, we got to do this." So if like something else came up, I was like, "Eh." I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now, Paul. It's fucked up of you to do. It is. I don't like that. I mean, if anything, we could sit here and cry for like an hour. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Tangent done. Off of it. We'll be better. We'll be better. So So will the Suns. So will the Suns. Absolutely. And you know, back to back to the point that we were on. You you talked about how Igor is trying to, you know, feel out his players, players getting system. And that's I think part of why I personally wasn't feeling so hopeless, so much despair, because we have a brand new head coach, we have a lot of new pieces on the team. And it's going to take time for that to start figuring itself out. It's going to take time for him to figure it out. It's going to take time for the players to figure it out. We said it when Booker was injured. Right. That it was going to bleed into the season, the, the, yeah. the ability for the team to mesh. And now Igor seems to be figuring out what players work, what Who players don't work. With. Exactly, exactly. And like we alluded to a few minutes ago, that has shown over the past nine games. They're still four and seventeen. That's not great. They've in only, fact, I that's think, bad. Won one in, in those fact, nine games. That's war. No, I think they won two. Two, two. and almost oh. one or two more. Yeah, almost one or two more. Yeah. So see, uh, four and seventeen still right there as the worst record in the league. I personally don't think that they're gonna continue with the Cavs. to be the worst team in the league. I think they're going to make. More Strides. progress throughout the year. And on a more positive note, at least they are only third worst in the league at covering the spread for those of you who might be interested in that. Just putting it out there. Not saying you should bet on them because you really shouldn't. No. Well, unless you're betting on them to not cover, which might be making somebody a fair amount of money. Cool. Great. <laughs> Do it. Random question for you. Who do you think has the best overall percentage in terms of covering the spread this year in the NBA? In the NBA? I'm going to implement a new part of our podcast mm-hmm. where I just random throw trivia. random questions at you. Yes. I'm going to say the Kings. Wrong. But that is a good guess. The Dallas Mavericks. 
The I Dallas Mavericks them, yeah. are covering a whopping 68.4% in their games. That's 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 a pretty pretty solid clip. And the Kings are up there though too, Paul. The Kings are two, three, four, fourth in the league at 63.2%. So anyway. All right. Moving on. Oh wait, no. One more random trivia right. question. Okay. I was on basketball reference today and on the Phoenix Suns front page, I noticed, I, I don't know if I've, if it's been there before and I just haven't noticed it, but they have a list of like the top 12 players in Suns history. As I can see, it's based on win share. Who do you think is number one on that list? Kevin Johnson. That is an excellent, excellent guess, although it is not correct. KJ is number two. Okay. Number one. You want another guess? You're looking like you want another guess. Sean Marion. Really? Sean Marion. 93.2, again, per basketballreference.com. KJ's second, like I said, at 90.9. So he's right there. All right. KJ was one of my favorite players growing up. I love KJ. Not so great of a human being. I met Tom Chambers after a game recently. I sent him a picture. No. Oh, yeah, you did send me that picture, yeah. So after they finished the post game, we're at that bar right there. Yeah. And... I was a little, little, uh, had a little courage, if you will. He's talking <laughs> liquid like liquid courage, liquid courage. He's talking to like eight people, all of them dressed in suits. I've, I didn't know and recognize him. <laughs> they all looked very important. I just thought I should just go and walk right on up and intervene. And I walk up <laughs> to Chambers. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm definitely gonna interrupt right now. Could I just <laughs> get a picture with you? Because again, it's a super fanboy thing to do. Like, I kind of can't believe I did it. And he looks at me and goes, As long as you don't make that face you just made at me ever again, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> To which I responded, I can't do anything with my face, bro. It is what it is. And took a took a lovely little selfie with him. It was difficult because I'm short, he's tall. But at any rate, tangents all over the place so far today. So back, we are well, I guess back technically, in the flow. Technically, we're still talking about the Suns. Just nothing that's really <laughs> relevant right now. But back to where we were. Yeah. And that is over the past nine games or so, the Suns have shown improvement. Through the first 12 games of the season – their point differential per game was a negative 13.2. They oh. were shooting 44.3% from the field per game, 33%, 33.3%, no, 33% from three, getting 6.8 steals per game, 3.4 blocks per game, 17.8 turnovers per game, and opponents were shooting 49% against them from the field. And that was just in the first 13 games. First 12 games. 12 games. Last nine games, point differential, still negative, obviously, mm-hmm. But negative 5.6, so they've improved that by 8 points, give or take, a little less than 8 points. Not a bad jump. Not a bad jump. Field goal percentage has ticked up to 48.7%, which is, according to my awesome math, a 4.4% improvement. 3.0% shooting has gone up 2.4% to 35.4%. They're getting 9.4 steals per game and 5.1 blocks per game, which... Obviously, if you're playing better defense, you're going to win more games, right? And uh, they've dropped the turnovers to 14 per game, and opponents' field goal percentages have dropped from that 49% to 46.9%. Still not great, but hey, improvement. And again, back to why I haven't felt that despair, because I feel like they're going to improve, they'll continue to improve, and then when Kevin Durant comes here next year, it's going to be just lovely. (laughs) <laughs> so those improvements have coincided for the most part with Mikhail Bridges sliding into that starting lineup. And 
Isaiah Cannon sliding out. Well, that was one game. Oh, out of the starting lineup. <laughs> out of the team in, in, in yeah. general. And it's Kanan, Paul. Kanan. We've established yes. this. Does it matter anymore? Yes, it does. As long as you continue <laughs> to say his name, it still matters as far as I'm concerned. So. Well, actually, and Warren sliding in for Anderson. That was the mm-hmm. first. That was the first. That's move. a good point. Yep. And that really started. I think that was one of the first kind of changes, particularly since Warren's three point shot has not fallen off. I'm a believer. Yeah. I am officially I, a believer. I am not afraid anymore when he shoots a shot. I'm actually confident. Yeah. Which is really weird to say. It's 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 been I mean outside of Booker it's he's been a while. Too. It's been a while since there's been a son where he shot that three and you're expecting it to go in. Mm. You know, you think back to the days when the Suns were much better than they are now. Nash, Quentin Richardson, Richardson um, Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson guys Marge like that. Bell. Yeah, they take those shots you're like, "Oh yeah." And if they miss, Sometimes you're surprised. Sometimes even Sean Marion. Mhm. Mhm. So Amari, you know, maybe not Amari. <laughs> I remember Amare shot a three at the end of the last game of one of the playoff series. I want to say it was against, might have been against the Spurs. He made it, and I was sitting there going, oh, develop that. We're going to be unbeatable, and he never did. Or maybe he did and just never took him or didn't take him often. At any rate. Paul, you started going into some thoughts about changes in the starting lineup and how that has developed this slow, subtle improvement in the team over the past few games. Yep. You want to delve into that more? I mean, you, you went into TJ, and I think, was it, it was either Espo or Dave or Tim, one of the guys on the solar panel. Yep, that's the name of it. So <laughs> make sure. There's too many, there's so many Suns podcasts I know, now. right? One of the guys on the solar the panel. Um, I, I think it was one of those guys that started calling him 3J. Probably him. sounds like an Espo thing. I love that. Love it. Like, are, are there not T-shirts heard yet? Three J scoring. That's. I think that's a bit much. I, I think. I think that might have been Espo. You might. You might, you might confuse <laughs> people with them. Like three J scoring. What? What's happened? Because you know you can kind of yeah. get confused as to what that scoring is a play on war. Uh, I, I, I think Tony Buckets is actually one of the better names in the NBA. One of the better nicknames in the NBA. So I'm not letting that go anytime soon. That's fair. And 21 games of good three-point shooting, I don't think that warrants having a nickname built around three-point shooting. How dare you? How dare I, <laughs> good sir? So were you going to go into more or no? Yeah, I mean, it's... Obviously, I think that the major move is really putting Booker at the point guard position, which is really something that I think, looking at the roster, the fan base has been basically saying for the longest time is like, you know, that's really the move is your best five best players do not include a point guard, but they include a guy who can be a facsimile of a point guard while still producing in other ways. And I think it just really came down to obviously Igor just realizing like, you know what? I got to try to start. Like I've tried everything, but this, I got, this is where I got to go. And it has shown that improvement. It has moving moving Booker to the point and adding in Bridges, who's another shooter, because Kanan could not shoot. Mm-hmm. And so Bridges is another shooter and a defender, along with uh, Warren, who now, in the past, we were always concerned about the spacing right. of having Warren on the floor. That's not an issue anymore. So between Booker, 
Bridges, Ariza, uh, Warren. You got you got four shooters. Bridge, uh, Booker can drive, penetrate, dish out to one of those other three guys, or dump it off to Aiton, and it makes sense on paper. You know, it really does. And now, and honestly, it's one of the best lineups in the NBA. Like from a five man lineup perspective, it really is. I think it might be like eleventh in the NBA as a lineup. But the problem is there's a huge drop off in that bench. And so really the question right now is figuring out, okay, what's the combination to get that bench to stay focused, to like not give up those um I don't want to say leads, because it's not always I mean there, some of those games like coming into you'd be going into those like there was a joke, I think, uh at the beginning of the season, not to go back a little bit, at a certain point when this when the Suns kept losing by like massive amounts, there was a point in the game where Chris Hansen would be like, "Well, here comes the point where uh, the Suns are going to be down ten, right?" Which was pretty much when the bench came in, and because just that combination at that time was just that bad, and the starting unit wasn't that much better at the time, and now it's. It's not as bad, clearly, because the stats over the last nine games have improved, but there is still a significant drop-off there. And, I mean, there's an expected drop-off between the starters and the bench, but there's a lot, I think, a lot more that I think can be done with regards to shuffling the lineups to make to make sure the right players are on the floor at the right time to avoid those dips. And I think that's really the next phase in figuring out what's going on. I'm hoping that um, the life that Elliot Kobo showed in this last game um, is a precursor of things to come, and he can be that point guard scorer off the bench to kind of uh, lead that lineup. Because there are some good players there, I mean, that have potential. Josh Jackson has started to show some signs of life a little bit. Um, Rashawn Holmes is... I love Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. He does exactly what you want him to do. He runs the floor. He gets rebounds. He gets dunks. He he works his ass off. Well, so and they, that's and that's another thing too is you know I, part of this improvement has coincided with Tyson Chandler. No, because he was what ten games I believe something like that. Ten games in, he was gone playing okay for the Lakers. Right and fine, do whatever. <laughs> yeah. And you know, let's talk about that really quick since we've been gone so for so freaking long. So much stuff's happened. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on the whole James Jones apparently a rumor to be doing LeBron a solid by letting Chandler go and head to the Lakers. Well, because this is where – And let's assume is, that's the case. Let's well, assume that's the case. Well, I don't want to assume that's the case because the first report that came out uh-huh. was that – the Suns were looking to move Chandler forever or like were prepared to release Chandler since before the season started. But there was some kind of negotiation that they weren't going to do it until he had a team lined up to go to. So he wasn't just going to be like released and that may be the end of his career. And which result one resulted in having to give up like Shaq Harrison or guys who like could have been really valuable to the Suns at the beginning of the season. I don't know. He's playing okay for the Bulls. Uh, well, my, my dumb, that look was because he's no longer with the Suns. So. Right. <laughs> but it, if, if they had released 
Chandler over the summer, they could have kept Harrison is basically my point. I gotcha. But, um, so that was the first report was that, oh, they've been trying to, they, this negotiation process has been going on for a while. And then this later report came out after, or like a few days later saying that, oh no, this is actually James Jones doing a solid for LeBron. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure which to believe because, I mean, it, it, it helps the Suns too. So, I mean, but they could have, again, they could have done it at any time. So the fact that the, that the Lakers were the ones who took him on, I don't know. I don't really know what that, what that says because, I mean, one, he's still an over-the-hill center. Mm-hmm. All he is is he's playing backup center minutes for him. Or maybe, is he a starter? I don't even know. Go, can, I rambled way now, too now, now, now that I know you don't want to assume that, can you assume? It's, let's call it a hypothetical. Hypothetical. In the words of Michael Scott, no, give you a, do, you know, do you know what a hypothetical is? I do. Those are the words of Michael Scott. Hypothetically speaking, if that were the case, what are your thoughts on that? Are you, are you, you think that's a good thing? You think that's a bad thing? You don't care? I don't hate it because, I mean, there's a level of the Suns' reputation around the league about how they treat players is so far down in the toilet right now. And I think a lot of that did come from Ryan McDonough and his inability to understand the human dynamics of a lot of his transactions and treated them as transactions. Mm -hmm. And James Jones is the opposite of that. So from the standpoint of like, oh, hey, I can build some goodwill. I can show like, hey, I've got connections around the league with players and whatnot. And I'm going to if the Suns aren't the right situation for one of my players, I'm going to help them get to a better situation as long as it isn't detrimental to my own team. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm, I'm with you on that. I I think there's been it seems like people are kind of 50 50 on it. At least as far as I've been hearing, and I, I for one, am all for it because of the exact reasons you just laid I just out. Don't care. And that is, we have a bad reputation. Ryan McDonough took the whole "it's a business" thing to an entirely different level, and treated as a chessboard. Right, and that that has caused some of the issues that we're we've been encountering for the past few years. And at the same time, you know, you have Robert Sarver who has a negative, you know reputation around the league i would say if you can have james jones as a guy that kind of evens that out and if this is a move and that type of activity is something that helps move that into a more positive direction then so be it especially like you said didn't hurt the team got rashawn holmes into the lineup more regularly and he's doing i think an excellent job for purposes of what he's capable of and what he's there for well to that to that point it is still interesting, though, that because at the time of McDonough's firing, it appeared that part of the issue was the fact that he wasn't able to get a point guard for the roster. Mm-hmm. They still don't have a point guard. Right. So was that part of the issue? Was that the scapegoat of a reason? I don't we will probably never know, my friend. No. Until he writes a tell-all book, which he probably won't because no one will buy it. But you know what I mean. <laughs> so, 
Let's step back to the... the yeah, I don't think that know, one would be as good as the seven-second relax. No, I don't think so either. Let's step back to point book here. Yeah. And you said it's the right move on paper, and I get that because... We don't really we don't have a serviceable point guard. Maybe maybe Eliakoba will be that, but Not we're yet. still waiting to find out. Are you buying into Point Book, or are you just relegating yourself to saying Point Book is what we have, and that's what we're going to go with because that's the best option for us at this time? Option B. I'm buying it. Grin. I'm buying into it in the short term that I think it's working, and I just. Don't know if it maximizes Booker. Definitely doesn't. At least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because he it, he completely loses the ability for him to come off screens or like you know work for the get those open shots, get those catch and shoot shots because he's the one who has to have his the ball in his hands. All of his shots are off the dribble, which makes them more difficult. And. I mean, Grant, even like with Aiton having passing as well as he is, a lot of those are in dribble handoffs. Mm -hmm. So that's not really, you know, Aiton catching the ball down low, passing off to Booker who's on the wing or at the top of the key and him draining draining the three. So I think there can be the Suns still need a point guard. A starting caliber point guard. Period. End of story. This is not a. Um, this is James Harden light, and James Harden light isn't going to get us to where we want to be as a team. Right. It's it can be used in spurts. It can be possibly used in you know, you know, certain certain matchup situations where it's it's effective and it's good that he has those skills. It's, but it's, I think it's better if he's a secondary ball handler. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I would I would agree. I mean, we I said that last year when when the whole point book thing came mm-hmm. up. He's a shooting guard. He's a shooting guard who has the ability to distribute. And if you want to maximize both of those abilities, I think he, he needs to be a two. Right. But ultimately, like you said, that means we have to get a point guard. Um, I. Obviously, like what I saw out of Elliot Kobo last night in mm-hmm. the uh, Clippers game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know he that stint in the G League seemed to do him some some good. I mean, we'll see if it continues. Um, but if it does, then then fantastic. Maybe at some point during the season, we see him slide into that the 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 one spot in the starting lineup just to see how it works out. Because mm. hell, why not? Right. If he's wow. showing the ability he, to. He started at least one game, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I'm quite certain he did. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, now, with Isaiah Kanan being released. Yeah, that kind of came as a surprise. Kind of? I mean, really can't. Yeah. Well, he, he, I mean, <clears throat> I, I expected he should have, or not expected, but I figured at some point he'd probably be relegated to the bench. Right. But to just outright release him was kind of a surprise yeah, was, at this point in time. Right, especially when you look at it, he had played – he had started, I think, 15 of the 20 games before he was released. And then on top of that, he had played 20 minutes the night before he was released. Yeah. So it's not like – like you said, he was relegated to the bench and they're like, all right, well, we don't need him anymore. Let's move him off. Yeah. Because 
that's not what happened. It was just you're playing uh, substantial minutes right. for this team, and now you're Gone. not in the NBA. Right. Uh, it was definitely a surprise. And, you know, my initial reaction was, okay, well, what's coming next? Because there has to be a trade coming next, but right? Th- that was our initial reaction when McDonough was fired. That was a, I'm pretty sure anytime anything with happens with the Suns right now, it's, it's going to, that's going to be the reaction. It's like last year. Every single freaking podcast, once the midway point of the season uh, occurred, was, let's talk about the draft some. Where are the Suns in the reverse standing, et cetera, et cetera. This year, it's okay. Where's our point guard? Where's our point guard? And, I mean, at this point in the year, I'm not expecting any move to happen until the 15th. Right. It just makes the most sense because not just that it opens up the Suns' ability to move their free agent, but it also opens up the ability of other teams to move the players they signed. So it just – it makes the pool of potential available players – that much bigger and whatever that comes with that, whether it's other players are moved in like multiplayer team deals and things like that. I mean, we've already started to see some moves this year. I mean, Kyle Korver was just traded Mm -hmm. to the jazz um, for Alec Burks, I think. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, stuff's continuing to happen. So I'm not, I don't expect to see the Suns not be involved that particularly because there's some situations out there that, you know, could make good, good-ish trade partners for the Suns or mm-hmm. at least um, that have point guards that could be available. And what situations would you be referring to, my friend? Well, I mean, the one that's kind of been talked about the most in recent days would be the Markel Fultz Philadelphia 76ers situation. He is – there have been reports that he wants out. I think he wants a fresh start. I think he thinks there's too much baggage in – or just like there's no trust in that relationship anymore. And he thinks he has a shot of being able to figure out and get over whatever the hell his issues are outside of that bubble, outside of that pressure. Because they've gone from being a team that was – in this whole process to, oh, now they're contenders, particularly now that they have Jimmy Butler. And part of me wonders, because like, if, like, Marco Falls got scared of Jimmy Butler, <laughs> just because the way Jimmy Butler treated the Timberwolves and then, like, within, like, one game of him joining the, the 76ers, he's like, yeah, nope, I'm not playing anymore. It's like, oh, get the shoulder <laughs> thing. It's, 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 it's flaring up. It's still there. I mean, I know I have a shoulder issue in myself, but I don't know. You know, you know, the ironic thing about that is I'm pretty sure that at this point in time, you're probably just as good of a shooter as Markel Fultz, too. Probably. So would you would would you want to trade for Markel Fultz? I mean, and I understand that obviously the answer to that is, well, it depends on the price. Yeah, but I mean, it depends on the price. But I, I wouldn't like I said, if it's if. If it if if it's a really buy low situation, I wouldn't mind taking a fire him because I mean, really, he's in his second year. Um, worst case scenario, you don't pick up his option, don't pick up his fourth year option, and then he's an expiring contract you can trade next year. Well, what would be worst case scenario? I mean, okay, so let's talk about price then. 
If you're saying, yeah, I'd be, I mean, I think anybody would be willing to take a flyer. And I mean, you can't. Right. I think he's broken. I, I will say that. I, I, I don't think there's any way he comes back from what whatever it is he's going through. And I'm sorry, it's not physical. That the, the shit he's doing is crap. mental. I don't see him coming back from that. But at the same time, if if you're saying buy low, I would buy low on him. You can't say no to a number one overall well, draft pick. He, he but, has like nine million dollars. But yeah, yeah, it's not my money. And I gotta spend it anyway. But the question then becomes the price. From my perspective, if I were going to take a flyer on him, the price would have to be very low. And I, I frankly don't even, I can't even think about what I would. I mean, I said before we started recording, partially in jest. Oh, what a second round draft pick? Sure, I'll do that. But would well, you well, would you trade the Milwaukee pick? At this point in time, assuming the standings are what they are right now, let's looking that up really quickly. Milwaukee is. If you if you let your words draw out longer, it will. <laughs> Mil, Milwaukee. Milwaukee's currently second in the league. So you're looking at the 29th pick. Yeah, sure. That plus filler. Sure. Like Troy Daniels, Dragon Bender. We, Maybe a couple second rounds. We rounders. get rid of Ryan Anderson in there somehow. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I would do that. I mean, I would do that, but that yeah. might be where my highest point would be. What about you? Yeah, probably. I'm probably about the same. Well, I meant more like, I feel like your high point is going to be higher than my high point. My high point is probably a little higher than that, but I don't know what else I would yeah. include on our roster. Like, like of what we have right now, I'm not giving up. I really don't want I'm not giving up a Kobo or Melton. I think both those guys have potential. I mean... There's there's a possibility that Ariza may have to be included just to make money work, but I feel like I'd want more back if Ariza was being included. I mean, you'd have to get more back just to get the money to work. I was going to say, yeah. But I'd want more back of value. You know, like, whether it's like, okay, we give them Ariza, they give us faults, and, I don't know, we have to do, like, a pick swap in, like, two years or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or or something something weird like that. I don't know. I'd have to figure out what it is exactly, but I feel like there would have to be more incentive for us to give up Ariza, who's a productive player for us, to get back a guy who may maybe has a thirty percent chance of becoming a productive player, and maybe like a ten percent chance of being that really good player he was projected to be at this point. Hmm. Ariz is an interesting idea. <laughs> because so, man, that was part of the point of it being that massive one-year <clears throat> deal. Right, is, is, is it, it's not going to tie up cap space it, going into next offseason. Right, and it's also tradable in the sense that it helps another team relieve a significant amount of cap space. Man, that would be tough. If that came to the table, I, I you know, I would give that very serious thought. What if it was, um, it was Ariza and the Milwaukee pick? For, like, what else would you want back from Philly? Oof. I, oof. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for Philly's position, I mean, okay, so you're looking at their roster. So you got Simmons, Reddick. 
Butler. Who's there for right now? Um, it was. Yeah, I, I'll look it up. James Ennis. No, no, they, he's on. Uh, he's playing. He's playing for Houston. First step is making sure you have the right team. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I was getting. I was getting him confused. But um, from that standpoint, yeah, I mean, the Ariza thing's interesting, except it makes the Suns worse in the short term. And I don't think that's that's not really a move I want to do either. I mean, granted, if I I don't have a problem moving Ariza, but if I'm going to move Ariza, I kind of want a guy who can be productive for us in the short in the immediate future while also having potential go on a go forward basis. More so than the risk that is there with faults. What what other options are are out there that you'd be interested in, Justin? Your turn to talk. Well, I mean, I <laughs> I'm not confident that anything's going to happen at point guard for the Suns anytime soon. And if it does, I'm not confident it's going to be something that's going to Wilson Chandler. Oh, there you go. I, I, I'm not confident it's going to be anything that's going to be very uh, appealing to me as a Suns fan and perhaps to other Suns fans. I mean, there are obviously names that have been floated out there like Terry Rozier. Right. Because I mean, um, that's one that could realistically become available just because Boston's been struggling. And there's clearly an issue of guys want their minutes and guys don't have set set roles. And really the best way to alleviate that is to move some guys for parts. So, I mean, I'd definitely be willing to um, be more aggressive with picks for a player like Terry Rozier because at least he's kind of, he's a little bit more proven. Right. And not broken. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, but again, with, with a guy like that, sure, there's a possibility, but back to what I just said, and that is, I don't see that happening really in the, Near future, I just don't like this season. Near future, or perhaps this season, but closer to the deadline, right? Uh, and and you know, at the end of the day, I feel like I use the word relegate a lot on this mm-hmm. podcast, and maybe that's just because we're Suns fans and that's what we've been doing, <laughs> yeah. But it might just have to be something where we go into the off season, hoping that maybe we end up getting somebody through free agency, a Kemba Walker, a, right. a, a Terry, Terry Rozier. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, if it means that Kevin Durant doesn't come here, you know, so be it, I guess. Cause so be it. we didn't know that's probably not going to happen anyway. Um, anything, any, any, anything else, Paul? What about Devin Booker and his super team comment? That got a lot of backlash, <laughs> at least that I saw online. What backlash did you see? Just that he wants to be part of a super team? I mostly just saw uh, uh, Greeny from Barstool Sports <laughs> being like, dude, if you if you want a super team to come to you in Phoenix, you're going to be waiting for quite a while. I don't think he's necessarily right on that one. I love Greeny, but I, I don't think he's yeah, necessarily right I mean, on that I one. Mean, yeah, because I mean, think about... Think about his Boston Celtics. You know, they they got their super team basically overnight. Right. Like, just because they had the right parts at the right time, and they were able to move those players for much better players in, like, 
in like multiplayer trades to like, you know, I remember at that time there were a lot of guys who were like, I don't want to give up Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson's really good. And then they get Kevin Garnett for him. And they gave up the fifth pick to get um, Ray Allen. Those were those were moves that like just kind of came out of the blue. So it's not like they can't happen. And it's not like the Suns couldn't package, you know, you say you keep Booker and Aiton and then everything else is on the table and then that everything else turns into right. that actual really good player or two that turns the Suns into a super team. I mean, the super team doesn't have to be built through free agency. I think it's just in the more recent recent NBA history. That's what's been happening. kind of what's been happening because the players have exercised agency. And but on top of that, I mean, there's a there is also a situation of Devin Booker has clout. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's and that's one reason why when I read that, I'm like, dude, let's tap the brakes here a little bit, because you're not talking about some guy who's just, you know, on the fringe of becoming a significant NBA player, but isn't you know well respected already by superstars around the league. I mean, you have guys like Kevin Durant, um, like Kobe. LeBron, I know he's not in the league Wade. anymore, but exactly speaking very highly of Booker, saying he's next. Exactly. So to think that they're not saying that about Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> who? <laughs> no, who is that? I don't know. Some guy. <laughs> For the record, I know who he is. Just in case anyone's like, good fucking. He gets Justin. a lot of run at the Justin's y. an idiot. He's the run, lot of run at the Y that we play at. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> ultimately, I, I think that there is is more potential there. And you look at it too. I mean, okay, Booker again. He's got clout. He's got respect around the league from established superstars. And then we have DeAndre Ayton averaging a double-double as a rookie. Last night was the worst game he's had so far this year. Right. And it's 21 games into the season. I I was never bashful well, about my adoration for DeAndre Ayton, and he is already exceeding my expectations as a rookie. Go something on. Something about that I saw today. Somebody put up, and I can't remember who it was, and I apologize, on Twitter. I forgive you. They were showing DeAndre Ayton's stats his rookie year, Carl Anthony Towns' stats. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was, for the most part, it wasn't even just counting stats because there was, like, true shooting percentage in there and whatnot. Some advanced statistics there. They were ungodly similar. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just – maybe it, it's really just coming in from, I think, the – where the fan base wanted to be when that pick happened. So, like – when Towns was drafted by the Wolves, they weren't like, okay, this is the year we're turning it around. Mm-hmm. So its expectations were low, and those, those stats were like, oh, great. He's like meeting expectations. I feel like there's a level of, particularly with Suns fans right now, particularly those that wanted Luka, Ugh. that have set exceptionally high bar of what they want out of Aiden in his first year Mm -hmm. and aren't understanding that this is a process and he's not going to be the player he is today. And I know this is the same excuse we used for dragon vendors, same excuse we used for Maurice or Marquise Chris, but those guys weren't actually producing. He is (laughs) producing. First of all, never (laughs) ever speak those two names in the same sentence as DeAndre Ayton again. Okay. He's producing 
excellent numbers for a rookie big. And we're looking at a league where, I mean, you look you look around the league, bigs are coming back. It's just it's the ebbs and the flows of the game, and like everybody talked about, oh, the big's dead, the big's dead, blah 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 blah, and like. The big was dead because we didn't have good bigs coming in the pipeline. Right. We've got good bigs. We've got Anthony Davis. We've got Carl Anthony Towns. Kristaps Porzingis. Everybody's forgotten about him because he's been injured. But he's coming back. We've got Marvin Bagley is possibly something. And then just they've got a whole conglomerate of like possibly something big guys up there in Sacramento. I mean. <laughs> they have all the <laughs> all possibly somethings. I mean, you got uh, Jokic. you got Nurkic. You've got a bunch of big guys who are productive, who are going to matter in how teams have to operate from a defensive and offensive standpoint going forward. And to have a big who can be like be one of those bigs that teams have to account for in like top of mind in their game plan is a good thing for the future. Well, and I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's also an evolution of these bigs, of, right. of what the big is in the NBA. Because when you talk bigs, we're not talking about Shaq type guys. We're not talking oh. about Hakeem type guys. We're not talking about Ewing type guys who are just big bodies that bruise down low. They have right. more finesse. They can shoot the 17 footer. They can shoot mm-hmm. the three. They can put the ball on the floor. Uh, and, they can pass. And, right, exactly. And that's starting to trend into the NBA right now. Right. And and I think DeAndre Ayton, as he continues to improve, and, you know, the one the one knock I have on him, and, you know, okay, there are defensive lapses, sure, but he needs to be more aggressive. Everyone says that. And I think at some point he's going to figure that out. It's going to it's going to come that, to mind. That, that I hear is... Josh Jackson's on him all the time about it. And if he figures that out and he's like, oh, wait, I'm physically superior than 95% of the guys that I'm matched up against, I think he's going to take everything to a new level. Right. I, th- I think uh, I'm hoping a lot of that is just like the new shine of the NBA. Starstruck a little bit, just like it's all a little bigger than he's used to. Mm-hmm. And just so that's kind of taking away from his focus. Um, but I was actually listening to the low post this morning and they were talking about like the young bigs. And one of the things that uh, Z- uh, Zach Lowe had mentioned that he was like, I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing about Aiton, but right now I'm hoping it's a good thing in that when he's working on defense, he's thinking. Right. He's like actually trying to figure out, okay, what's the right decision to play here, which means he cares. Whether that transitions into him like figuring out, okay, this is actually what the right decision is supposed to be is a whole different story, but he's – thinking about it at least it's not just like he's just a body that's out there and she's kind of going to glide wherever the winds of the court take him right and 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 i think that's an excellent point because he's still learning how to play in the end but he's still learning how to play defense period because when he was at, at a, he didn't really have to right at the five and ultimately as that as he improves at that and as that stuff becomes more natural he's going to have to think less about it right and then he can just kind of Go. Right. And I, and I think to your point before, I think that that will couple with him just kind of getting over the breath 
of that is the NBA and like okay he's played against every guy all these guys are just dudes they're just guys he's playing basketball again it's against it's not that's the guy who I had the poster of on my wall or was the background of my phone growing up or whatever or this is the guy I watched all his tapes cuz he was the this is the game I wanted to model myself after kind of thing right you know? and and you know the the, the I think of funny point to that whole breadth of the NBA thing is, did you see the tweet from uh, Gina Mizel? I don't know how to pronounce it. Mizel? Mizel? Mizel. Mizel? That sounds better than Mizel. after Dave, he... Sounds like like Miz, like the Miz in WWE. Did you know he hit on Gene once? Did he? Yeah. For the record, anybody listening, Gene is Paul's wife. Yeah. I'll have to have her tell you that Back in the day? Back in the day, back at uh, the Comer, not the Comer, um, uh, what was the main club on PB? PB Bar, Bar and, and Grill. Grill. That one. <laughs> I Not just a clever name. <laughs> but yeah. Outstanding. Well, good for Hey, Gene, if you're listening, congratulations on that. I'm <laughs> proud of you for, for that happening she a was, decade she, plus it's, ago. It's not one of the highlights of her life. Um, but anyway, back to Gina Mizell. She had tweeted out after um, the, the game the other night that Aiton didn't realize that on a back-to-back, a home-away back-to-back. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> They left immediately, so he didn't bring his travel bag. That could be why he had such a bad game. He was just like, he's still flustered from that. See? So one now that that one's out of his system, I'm pretty sure DeAndre Ayton will never have another bad game in the NBA. I'm just gonna I'm gonna never. bank on that. Never, never ever ever. So on that note, on that incredibly optimistic note, I think we can go ahead and wrap up this episode unless you disagree with me. Um, I'm not against that. All right, perfect. So uh, like we always say here, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, again, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay and Paul at Dervish of World, and the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. You will be hearing m- from us more frequently, more Fingers than crossed. more than every 22 days, Paul. Um, moving forward, uh, because geez, the improvement's coming. It's happening. I can't help but be optimistic. Why is that? I just can't. I don't know. I don't know either. There's something Whip wrong it. with me. With it. Jesus. <laughs> That's weird. All right. Now on that note, until next time, everybody, thank you for listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Don't forget about Brightside Night. Buy those tickets. Go. Just